Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Um, we are Today we are starting 21 Days of Prayer. And for those of you who've been part of River Valley or online, good morning to everybody who's watching online. Um, this is not 21 days of prayer and fasting, so everyone can take a sigh of relief. This is tw- 21 days of prayer, where for the next 21 days, we are going to spend extra time seeking the heart of God and coming before him and pursuing him in ways that we haven't experienced before. And, and what I'm keenly aware of is that our posture and our positioning of God as we come into these moments makes all the difference, right? All of worship was centered around the fact of the wonder of who God is, how he's holy, how he's set apart, and how we can raise this hallelujah. We get to raise our our words. We actually get to use the words out of our mouth to bring God praise and to petition him and to seek him. One of the things that I know is, is extremely important for us is as we enter into any of these times where we seek God more, it's really important for us to get something right about who God is. Because you see, we could go into 21 days of prayer, maybe you've done this before, maybe you never have. But if our perception or our preconceived idea of who God is, is off in any way, it can, it's going to affect our prayer. It's going to affect our prayer life. We're starting a series today that's called Kingdom Prayer. And the reason we talked about that is because there is a prayer that is a type of prayer that is kingdom focused. And it's centered around the kingdom of heaven. And where kingdom prayer, the importance of it is, is that it begins with a proper image of God. Now, in your life, and I want you to go with me for a second. I just want to kind of, kind of uh, transition from worship into this moment here. That in your life, in my life, that we see our world through a certain lens of our experiences, of our biases, of our preconceived ideas. This is called your worldview. Everybody has one. In fact, even all of us sitting in this room who all believe in Jesus all have a different worldview. Your approach to God is different than the person next to you. Now, the thing about it is that in our prayer life, our prayer life is also hugely centered around our worldview or how we see God. And here's what I want us to catch as we step into these next 21 days together, is that either we shape our prayer life based off our experiences, our life experiences that we have equated to the way God is, or we approach God for who he says he is in the scripture. Because I'm gonna tell you this right now, we all have experiences. We all have walked through things in life and whether we realize it or not, we have put those things into a filter of how we see God. Maybe some of us, our, our relationship, and I'm going real deep real quick, but I think you guys can do it this morning. Our relationship with our parents affects how we see God. Not all of us have had perfect growing up situations with our parents and with our father. Not all of us have perfect fathers. And what that does is it actually causes us to view God in that same light. 
Maybe we've had friends that have let us down, that have abandoned us, that have walked away in moments that were really hard. And what we've done is we've taken those same filters and applied it to God to say, God is no different than the friends that have left me when things have gotten hard. Our life and how we see life, failed jobs, well, God's always supposed to provide for me, but I don't see it because I have this job and I've, I've lost my job and I've been in a place of, of absolute need. It taints who God actually is. But this is where we come to, and I wanna give you some hope here this morning, is that as we begin to pursue God, we can pursue him for who he actually is that our life experiences, our preconceived ideas, our notions, our biases, the way that we see the world does not have to be the filter that we put on God. And therefore, when we pursue God, we get to pursue him for who he actually is. In the book of Proverbs, it says to, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, which sounds really good, which sounds really good. I, yeah, I wanna trust the Lord with all my heart, but I've got this stuff in life that's affected how I see God. And now my trust in him is less than it was because of these experiences that I've gone through. The second part of that verse says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Guys, we all view God through these different filters and lenses rather than who he actually is. And what's crazy is if our perceptive and our perception of who God is gets off, then our prayer life becomes empty and pointless. And we've all experienced it at times in our life, even in this room, where our prayer life becomes so empty. Why? Because our perception of who God is has gotten off. It's, it's just things have affected the way we see God. And suddenly we start to believe that God is the way he is based off of what we think rather than who he is. Or I'll say it this way. We base our perception of God off of a figment of our imagination rather than the solid reality of who he is. God becomes this imaginary thing for good or for bad that is just, it, it flexes and goes all over the place rather than being rooted in his word. But kingdom prayer is rooted in the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. I would put this out to you that as we begin these 21 days of prayer together, that one of the biggest and deepest works that God wants to do in your life is to bring healing and refocusing to the areas and our vision and our view of who he is. For some of you, your entire 21 days, if you press in and if you seek him, is all gonna be about him coming to you and saying, listen, you've had hurt, you've had pain, you've had people that have let you down, you've had all of these things that have happened in your life that now you view me through that same filter and God says, listen, these 21 days, I wanna heal you and I wanna refocus you so that when you approach me, you can approach me for who I actually am. And my challenge to you and my encouragement to you is over these next 21 days, open yourself up to the healing power of God in your life. Don't go into it with your preconceived ideas of who God is that could limit your ability to actually commune with him in a way that you've never comprehended before. 
The invitation is there. There's an open invitation by him to pursue us and to pursue, uh, to pursue him and to pursue him for who he is. I want, I want to just lay this out real quick to paint a picture of who our God is. Regardless of our experiences and our preconceived ideas, God is holy. He's not like us. He is set apart. He is not, he is not affected by the things that affect us. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 2 says, There is only one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one, no one besides you. Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you among the gods? O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. He's holy. He's loving. And this is not a tainted, conditional love that the world throws out and that many of us have experienced by family and friends and parents. It's not unconditional. It is, or it is unconditional. It's untainted and it's unconditional. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. His love reached into us in our absolute worst place and showed us that there was hope and showed us the steadfastness of who he is. Our God is just. He is the one true defender. Psalm 68 says he is a father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. Deuteronomy 32, he is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? If you've been misrepresented in your, in your life, if you've been misunderstood in your life, if you've been attacked because of something you said or haven't said, I'm telling you right now that God, our God is just. He is right in his thinking. How about this? He's merciful, he's gracious, and he's patient. How many of us, when we carry the guilt and the condemnation that comes with sin, Many times we put that on God. Because of this thing I carry in me, there's no possible way that God could ever actually love me for who I am. And that affects our ability to be able to approach the throne of grace. But I'm here to tell you, Psalm 60, 86, 15 says this, that the Lord is gracious and merciful, very patient and full of faithful love. This is our God. He's patient when others are impatient with you, when others have lost their patience with you, he is patient. He is patient. He's sovereign. In a world where everything seems out of control, he has everything in control. It may look crazy, but it does not mean that he stopped being sovereign over your life. But sometimes, especially for those of us that like to have things in control, <laughs> When things are out of control, God must be out of control. Because it's out of control. It's out of my control. Therefore, it's got to be out of God's control. No, he's still in control. In fact, sometimes he's more in control when we are out of control. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Find courage in that. Find hope in that today. It's his purpose that prevails. James 4 says this, why? You do not even know what happens tomorrow. 
So what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little and then is gone. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Couple more. He is the giver of joy. Not broken, situational, energy-based happiness. But he is the giver of joy. First Peter 1 says this, that though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with, get this, an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Your joy cannot be affected by the things that happen in the world. This is the joy that God brings to your life. And finally, he's a loving father. He's a loving father. And I recognize that anytime any of us in a church setting say this, this word, Father, so many things fire off in our brains because of experiences that we have had with our earthly fathers, for good or for bad. And, and this probably is one of the biggest ones that affects our ability to be able to approach God. Because when we hear, approach your Father God, we get this like, but, but I, don't, I, I don't know about that, like, my, my fa- is he the same as, as, as my father? Like, if that's the case, I don't want to approach him. But this is the loving father, 2 Corinthians 6.18. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Psalm 103.13. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Your past, your experiences might have solidified in your mind who you think God is. He comes to say, no, listen, I want to heal those and I want to remove those so that you can see me the way I actually am. Deuteronomy 1, 31. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. So it might be that for you, meditating, and I can get you all these verses, but it's actually not hard to do. You don't even need a Bible software. You can just go to Google and type in (laughs) God is a father, and there'll be tons of verses that will pop up. Meditate on these over the next 21 days. Whatever aspect of your life, whatever area of your life, you're feeling challenged and saying, you know what? I have put that kind of a perception on who God is. I recognize in my life where I bought into some things that I now believe God is based off of other things. Does anybody, as, I, as I'm kind of talking, does anybody kind of have some things that the Holy Spirit's illuminating with maybe how you have seen God and how you've perceived him before that's affected your approach to him? Okay, awesome. Every single one of us has it. And my prayer for you is that as you step into these 21 days, that you become aware of those areas where you maybe have viewed God from yourself, figment of your imagination, rather than the the, the, the steadfastness of who he is. So kingdom prayer, this is what we're talking about, believes that the things we know about God are true. And therefore, I can pray with boldness and confidence because I know who my prayers are anchored in. God is a good God. 
And this is the person that we get to seek over these next 21 days. And this is the one that we get to pursue over the next 21 days. And I'm telling you, if for the next 21 days, all you do is sit every day and meditate on the scriptures that are reflecting to you about who he actually is, and you're getting a revelation of the character and the grandness of God, then you've won. Because at the end of 21 days, you will feel a closeness to God. So that's what I invite you into over these next 21 days. If you're in for it, is to pursue God for who he actually is in your life. To push past preconceived ideas, to say, no, I'm done. I'm done. I want healing and I want freedom and I want the ability to be able to connect with God's heart the way he really is. And that's what we're inviting us into over these next 21 days, myself included. I know areas in my life as I was prepping this going, yep, that's how I've seen God. And it's definitely causing me to say, God, I want the real you, not who I make you up to be. Because I never make you up to be as great and as ma- magnificent as you are, right? So 21 days. Um, give you a little bit of detail, and then I'm going to jump back in here. Over these next 21 days, we have done everything we can to really give you everything that you need to pursue God. When you leave today, there's going to be a prayer card that you can get, and it's a, it's a prayer guide that'll take you through topics for every single one of the days. We're going to have prayer meetings for the three Saturdays of these next 21 days right here at, on Saturdays at 5 p.m., and the opportunity for us to gather together to seek the heart of God together. And these are beautiful times to lift up the prayer requests from our church and really just pray for each other and believe that God's going to do something great in us, Right? Um, we also have a group that we created in Church Center, and this is for you to join. It's like a small group, and you would join it to where you can share prayer requests and praise reports of what God's doing, and you can also share what those things are that God's speaking. Could be day 19, you get this breakthrough revelation of who God is, and you want to share it. Share it. Encourage the rest of the body of Christ, because what God's done in you you can guarantee that he is using it to strengthen the rest of the body of Christ. All right, amen? So those are a few things over the next 21 days. You're gonna hear about this as we go into the messages over the next 21 days, and it's gonna be incredible. But like I said, we wanna start at the place of who God is and having a proper understanding of who he is. With prayer, I'm a children's pastor. I was a children's pastor for years. One of the things I absolutely love is how kids think about prayer. Okay? I'm going to read you a few of these because these just, I loved these. The preacher's five-year-old daughter noticed that her father always paused and bowed his head for a moment before starting his sermon. One day she asked him why. Well, honey, he began proud that his daughter was so observant of his messages. I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon. How come he doesn't, she asked. It's a little too close to home. During the minister's prayer one Sunday, there was a loud whistle from one of the back pews. Gary's mother was horrified. She pinched him in the silence, back when you pinched your kids into silence. And after church, she said, Gary, whatever made you do such a thing? And Gary answered soberly, I asked God to teach me to whistle. And he just then did. (laughs) Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. (laughs) And finally, my wife invited some people to dinner. At the table, she turned to our six-year-old daughter and said, Would you like to say the blessing? I wouldn't know what to say, the child replied. 
just say what you hear mommy say. My wife replied, that's never something you want to say. Our daughter bowed her head and said, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? Oh, man. Sometimes I love the innocence of kids. And I also learn to be very careful what I say around my kids. So why do we pray? Why do we pray? Let's, let's jump in here for a little bit. Because I think for us to understand the goal of why we pray is really important for us as we step into these 21 days. I'm going to do this here just as we wrap up our time today. It starts, like I said, with, with who God is and the wonder of who he is and getting that right. That's the first thing is getting right who God actually is, not who we think he is, but who he actually is. But then why do we pray? I want you to think about all those characteristics that I just read about God. And what the Bible says solidifies who he actually is. And then I want you to think about this, that this vast, amazing God initiated communication with us. Think about that for a second. This God who is outside time and space, who literally created everything by just speaking, he initiated communication with you. If you look all the way back from the beginning of the world, he was communicating through his written word, through the Bible, through the prophets, through, through all these different vehicles and means that he was communicating all the way down through history. He initiated community or uh, communication with you. And in doing so, what he was doing was this thing called self-revelation, okay? In a relationship, self-revelation is a huge key, and here's why. God initiated communication with us and he revealed who he was to us. He revealed it in creation. He revealed it in his word. He revealed it through the prophets. He revealed it every time you look up at the stars. He's revealed all of this kind of stuff to us in self-revelation. But here's the really important part, that for any relationship to work, it has to be two-sided, right? We, we know this, we know this. Relationships cannot be one-sided or they aren't really relationships, right? Prayer now is our self-revelation back to God. We understand that God communicated with us first, but his desire was for his kids, for you and I, to communicate back to him. When there's self-revelation in a relationship, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about people in your life who would be, Consider deep friends, right, for, for you, people who you have very deep relationships with. You know that when you start to share these deep self-revelations about one another to each other, boy, it takes the relationship very deep, very quick, doesn't it? Because now you've actually taken some of this core, this inside, the deepest part of who you are, and you've trusted it with somebody else. And then they do the same thing to you. And when there's this mutual relationship of self-revelation that happens, the relationship grows and grows and deepens and deepens. And can I tell you that even when you've experienced that with other people, the same thing is absolutely true with God. When we respond to his self-revelation with our self-revelation, it deepens the relationship with him. And get this, God wants to hear your hurts, your pains, your questions. He wants to hear those things. We do not have to approach him with some sort of perfection where we, we say all the right things because it's God. No, he's saying, listen, I, 
I want you to self-reveal your deepest parts of who you are with me. Now, this is a, this is a really, really big key because one of the things about God, it's this, this crazy thing that, that is just, it's the elephant in the room. God knows everything about you. He's called omniscient and he knows everything. So why pray? I want you to hear this. Prayer takes God's knowledge of us from omniscient to personal. Think about that. Without prayer, God knows everything about you. But when we actually articulate to him, we are self-revealing and we are connecting on now a much deeper, much personal uh, area of relationship that God desires to have with us. He doesn't just want to know about you and, and figure out, yeah, okay, this is, this is what's going on. About. He wants to hear from you what's going on in your life. Not because he doesn't know, but he wants to see the trust that you have in him to reveal those things so that your relationship can deepen. I'll give you an example. My daughter, Simone, when she gets mad or when she gets upset, she, uh, she shuts down. She, she just does. More than any of my other kids, she will just, she will not talk, right? And I find myself a lot of times using, using the phrase, um, okay, Simone, you gotta, you gotta use your words, right? You gotta, you gotta use your words, honey. You gotta talk to me here and tell me what's going on. Why? Do I know my daughter without her talking to me? Yeah. I have a really good understanding of who my daughter is. I, I know her pretty well. I've known her her whole life. God's known you your whole life. In fact, before your whole life, right? But when Simone actually gets to the point where she opens up and communicates with me what's actually going on, we're able to connect at a much deeper level than before. Because now I get to come in as a dad and love her in that place and affirm her emotions, affirm her feelings and her thoughts, and then come into that. And then, yes, help her to be able to not be angry, but it starts by being able to connect with her. The same is very true with us. There's, this, is, this is what happens. When she opens up and finally communicates, it actually gives freedom to her in the communication. I want you to think about this. When it comes to you and your prayer life, there is a freedom that comes when you can finally articulate what is really going on inside of you. The stuff that's just been bottled up and caused so much angst, you get to bring it and just be like, blah! And God loves that because he's like, yes, now I really know what's going on and I can meet you right where you're at and we could deepen this relationship and he can meet your need. And then it deepens our relationship. There is something powerful and we've, we've talked about this in brain science and, and there's been studies shown that there's something powerful that happens when you take thoughts and actually put words to them, right? This is actually proven, this is scientific, right? That, that thoughts are wonderful but they actually have power when they are articulated. The same thing is true in prayer, is that when we speak the things that are in our heart, they hold greater power than if they were left unsaid. I want you to, man, I've been praying for this for a long time. What, what's that been like? Well, I've just been meditating on it. My room, just quietly. It's been in my head. Well, have you actually talked to God about it? Now, if we talk to him, it enables things to be able to happen. Our deepest desires, questions, hurts have a newfound power when they are communicated. I, I was thinking about this very point this morning when we were singing Raise a Hallelujah and how there's something powerful 
about those words. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. Like there's something about when we articulate, and you could feel it in the room. When we started to sing that song, there's a faith that welled up. Why? Because we are articulating who God is over our situation. And there's power, power, power that comes with this. This is some of the cool promises. Psalm 86 says this, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. Psalm 17, I have called upon you for you will answer me, God. Psalm 91, this is God speaking. He will call on me and I will answer him. And I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and honor him. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. In Jeremiah 33, call to me. This is the desire and the cry of God's heart. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. What's the key to all those scriptures? Call to him. Use your voice that he's given you to articulate what is in your heart. Charles Spurgeon says this, that true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. And E.M. Bounds says that prayer should be not regarded as a duty which must, must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Guys, over these next 21 days, there's two ways to view it. Oh yeah, we're gonna pray for 21 days. Okay, here we go. I can, I can do this, I can do this. Or we can look at it as an incredible opportunity to step into a beautiful aspect of relationship that only comes through prayer. It's our choice. It's each of us is our choice to be able to decide how that's going to look, but we have to do it. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. Prayer is powerful. And over the next 21 days, I guarantee you, the enemy is not going to want you to pray. And he will do everything he can to get you to not pray. He will distract you like nobody's business so that you don't pray because he knows that if you respond to the God that has initiated communication, he knows the deepness of relationship that's going to be there. Remember, he was in heaven. He knew what it was like to be in fellowship with God. He knows the power that when God's people communicate with the God who created them, and he will do everything he can. So my encouragement or my, my, just my, my word to you is be aware of it. Don't let him catch you off guard. Be aware as you go into these 21 days that he is real, but God is stronger and God wants to meet with us in a far greater way. As we conclude today, I just wanna give you something super, super practical here. Um, and, and this is coming from just the ability to actually step into this prayer life for the next 21 days. Um, we're gonna spend some time in Matthew 6 and I'd also, I just encourage you to write this down and, and include it in your prayer life over the next 21 days. Matthew 6 is where Jesus lays out the Lord's Prayer. It's an incredible passage of scripture. We're gonna be talking about it in the weeks to come. But right before Jesus lays out the Sermon on the Mount, in ver or, well, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. Right before he talks about the Lord's Prayer, in verse six, he actually lays out three things for us to be aware of when we are putting together a plan to pray, okay? 
And I want you to just hear these things, these three things that Jesus articulates to be able to take away with you as you formulate what your 21 days of prayer looks like, okay? Matthew 6 and verse 6 says this, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Three things. The first thing is to go away by yourself. To go away. In order for us to have action, we have to have a plan in place of what that's going to look like. When are you going to pray? How are you going to pray? What's the location going to look like where you're going to pray? Make a plan. Well, I just I want my I want my relationship with God to just be organic, and we just want to like talk, and I don't want it to be so organized. Organic farmers also plan when to plant and reap the harvest, so it doesn't really matter. Make a plan. What's that going to look like for you? And then execute it. Go. Make a decision to actually go. And, and there's nothing, nothing um, that says you have to do it at a certain time, but I do just want to read this from Adam Clark, and this is powerful when it comes to morning times with the Lord. He says this, what first lays hold of our heart in the morning is likely to occupy the place all day. First impressions are the most durable because there is not a multitude of things to drive them out or prevent them from being deeply fixed in the moral feeling. I'm just going to see this, that your morning routine, work it to consist of deep, meaningful prayer and time spent with God. There's something powerful about that. Number two, Jesus said to shut the door behind you. If the Bible was written in the year 2021, I am 99.9999999999% sure that this would also read, shut the door and leave your phone outside. I'm pretty sure if Jesus was saying this today, he'd be like, get rid of the thing, right? Shut the door, remove distractions, do everything you can to eliminate the noise of life because the noise of life, if you haven't noticed, is really loud, right? And it's all-encompassing and it's always there. But Jesus says, shut the door behind you. Shut out those distractions so that you can spend time with me. Mother Teresa says this, if you really want to know God, make a friend of silence. Find a way to actually cut the noise. Get it out so that you can spend time with him. I want to tell you something, and this is, this is a cool thing. If we can really, and I'm talk, talking to myself, I don't have a mirror. Um, if we can really do this, myself included, for 21 days, to go into a private room by ourselves, to shut the door, to remove distractions, and to pray to our Father, something amazing is going to happen in these 21 days. And you will never, we will never be the same. We will never be the same. And then finally, pray to your father. Actually open your mouth and pray to your father. The first line, I was talking to Pastor Tim and he highlighted this, which I thought this was so awesome. The first line of the Lord's prayer is our father in heaven. Not my father in heaven, our father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And we have to actually, sorry, that was for the next point. So put a, put a pin in that. That'll, it was a good point. It'll come back later. But what we have to be able to do is actually open our mouth to actually be able to seek God. And again, there th he throws in that word father that we need to actually pursue him as father. And then the final thing that I, I wanna add in here, this is not something that Jesus said, but he did say it in the beginning of the Lord's prayer, which I just said and confused you, but now it's gonna make sense. To pursue God together, 
the first line of the Lord's Prayer is our Father, our Father. To pursue God together. Over these next 21 days, what I would encourage you to do is to find someone to go on this prayer journey with. Whether you're texting each other, whether you're calling each other, whether you're sending each other verses, whatever it is, find a way to go on this journey together over these next 21 days. God did not design you to just be isolated out on your own. No, he designed us to be in community with one another and to pursue his heart together. And so have those things in mind. As you walk away today, Matthew 6, 6, go away by yourself, shut the door and pray to your father. Have those be the things that work through your life and guide you over these next 21 days. Amen? We have an incredible, incredible journey that we get to take. And, uh, and it's all up to us. It's all up to us with how much we're going to engage and in what way we are going to engage with him. Um, and, and I'm excited because I feel that, that what God has led our church through has continually been growing in momentum, where now we step into a, day of 20, a season of 21 days of prayer, and I really believe that there is a momentum that is going to carry us into the next thing that God has for us as we seek him together. Amen. So here, here's how we end. Like we, we do all the time, if you're, if you're newer to River Valley, this is, this is kind of how we conclude um, service uh, unless you're Trey and Marcy and heaven's open and we just pray for everybody, which is amazing. Uh, but we're, we're going we're gonna to spend some time kind of discussing um, this right? This, this aspect. And here's the question that I want us to talk about today. What has your image of God been and how has that affected your prayer life up to this point? Okay. I want to jump back to that and I want to talk about what are those areas of life where maybe you've had a misconception, a preconceived idea that has hindered your ability to actually have a fervent prayer life, right? And I want you to talk about those. You might also be thinking already, and this is the area that I want it to grow in. That's awesome too. You can talk about that. But let's talk about this because if we get this right, it will set us up for great success over these next 21 days. All right? So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to dismiss us to our groups and you begin to talk over this together. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, above everything else, we thank you for your character we thank you for the majesty and the wonder of who you are. And God, today, we want to fix our eyes on you, the truth of who you are today, God. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, bless our conversation, and our 21 days ahead as we seek you. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for this day. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.